0: You're listening to the Virtual World Society Next End Podcast. For this episode, we invited Sonia Haskins, Head of Programming at AWE. To get involved with our organization, head over to virtualworldsociety.org. What is going on, everybody? It is Maxwell with the Virtual World Society, next in podcast. Very excited to be here today with an official, wonderful, incredible, very smart human being, Sonia Haskins, head of programming at AWE. I'm so psyched to, uh, to talk about AWE, your history, your background. Thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm really excited to do the interview with you.
0: Absolutely. Well, AWE is the cornerstone when it comes to virtual augmented reality, extended reality technologies, and everybody coming together. And it's an incredibly exciting event. The biggest clients, users, specialists, professors go to AWE. So I'm really curious, how does somebody... Uh, start off in in technology. What were what were kind of your beginnings in uh in technology that made you realize, hey, I, I want to be in this industry. This is something I want to I want to be involved with long term.
1: <laughs> okay. Well that's an interesting story. Um the journey has been been um fascinating and to be quite honest, not purposeful. So I probably should go back to the beginning and tell you that um I have been involved with the industry for Uh, six years exactly this month. And um, prior to that, it was kind of my goal in life to stay away from technology. Um, I had no earthly idea what virtual reality was. And so, if you'd like, I can tell you a little bit of history there before I jump into how um, people can get involved or how I got involved specifically with AWE.
0: Absolutely. I'd love to hear that because everybody's story in virtual reality is vastly, vastly different. Some people are scientists, (laughs) teachers. I I was a a voice actor and radio personality uh, and started (laughs) teaching before virtual reality. So... Jumping from that career to that career, it's 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 a very strange feeling. So I'm very curious. What were your beginnings? Your first time putting on that headset and going, "Wow, this is <laughs> this is great. Let's do this."
1: Right. So um, let's just say I was for about 25 years a stay-at-home mom, and. Um, I took care of my kids, raised my family, took care of my home. We had a garden. I had the same vehicle for like 20 years. I did foster care for a while. I had about 100 foster kids. And I pretty much lived off the grid um, of my my five biological children. I homeschooled them. And so, um, you know, I taught them at home. We traveled a lot in our van, visited historic sites, museums. And, of course, we had a computer. But we didn't really do much with tech. I did not buy my kids' gaming systems. Um, And although I kind of tried to stay away from that. As a matter of fact, for many of the years when my kids were growing up, we didn't even have a television. So now it's kind of funny because when I talk to people in the industry, a lot of times they'll make references or say things or talk about shows or movies. And I'm going Like, I have no no reference what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're even referring to, because I kind of missed a huge part of that, um, you know, uh, pop culture type stuff. It just wasn't in um, my life. And so my kids and I, we just had a great time. And then um, as they started graduating from homeschool, my oldest three kids actually went to the military My oldest son was 17 and had joined the army. He was in the 82nd Airborne. And in April of 2017, he was being deployed to Afghanistan, which if ever, you know, if you remember, that wasn't really the greatest time to be going to Afghanistan. And so he wanted me to go with him to Best Buy and try something the day before he went out of the country. And I really didn't want to go to Best Buy to spend our time, but of course, I love my son and wanted to spend time with him. So I said, okay. And I was like, what is it you want to do? And he said, I want you to try something. And it still, it still almost makes me cry, you know, to think about how these small moments in your life can lead to literally life changing moments. And so I um, went to Best Buy with him. And he said, I want you to try something called virtual reality. And he explained it. And I said, Micah, that that just sounds kind of really silly. Like, I'm not really interested in this. <laughs> and so um, he said, just try it, Mommy. I think you'll like it. And I said, okay. So I went in and I put the headset on and I still remember that moment. It still gives me chills. I literally, in an instant, I thought, wow, like, oh my gosh, this could be a game changer for everything we know about how we do literally everything. Just in that instant, I thought we could visit people who are sick that we can't travel to visit, or I could visit my son while he's out of the country, or I could talk to friends who are in a different place, or I could go play things, or maybe I could go and see places virtually that I had never seen before. It was like it clicked. And instantly I had this vision of all the things we could do. And, and I had had a lot of health problems up to that point. And um, my youngest child at that, my youngest child was 15 at that time and about 14, 15. And she, When she was born, I had had um, developed blood clots, and so I was in the hospital for about two months. The doctors did not expect me to make it, and I ended up in a wheelchair for about the next two years. Obviously, I made it out of the hospital, but I came out very damaged physically and emotionally, if I'm honest about it. Um, You know, when you think you're going to die, like sincerely, truly, absolutely, you're at death's door and the doctors tell you, you are not going to make it, it changes your perspective. And I still remember sitting there in the hospital. I had five children and the oldest was seven years and one month. So they were seven, five, three, one and newborn. And I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I just want to live like I really want to raise my kids. And so, um, you know, I just really wanted to get out of that situation, but but hopping back to VR when I when my son introduced me, up to that point, I had been in and out of the wheelchair and the year before I had been in a wheelchair again. So I couldn't stand or play for a long time. And um, uh, do you want to jump in there so far, Max? I see, you know, because I can actually see you on while we're doing this interview. I know our listeners can't, but um, do you have any questions so far? And then I'll tell you what that led to as far as me being in a wheelchair and trying to play with that situation.
0: Well, first off, <laughs> I want to say of every guest that I've interviewed, I think I've had um, to now 22, 23 guests, including your colleague uh, Ori M. Barr a- as well. Yeah. This is one of the most fascinating dives into virtual reality that I've ever heard. So first off, I'm very sorry that you went through so many health problems. That's so scary, that's so difficult to go through, but you are an absolute warrior for getting through that. So that is is a wonderful thing and I'm so glad you're here with us today. It's very interesting that you you put on the headset and you're like, wow, this is wonderful. I have to know, what was the experience (laughs) when you put on the headset for the first time?
1: It was Robo Recall.
0: Oh, no way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they put me in Robo Recall. And um, it's funny because this comes into the story a little later, too. But um, I started playing Robo Recall a lot. But I want to tell you, I want to hop back first to, to tell you, when I tried that, I was totally fascinated and I thought, wow, this is completely amazing. So I bought it on the spot. I bought a Rift and I said, okay, I have to have this. And now remember I was kind of living off the grid. We really didn't have much. I just was doing my own thing. I went right then, didn't have cash with me, really didn't have any money to be quite blunt. I got a, um, credit card on the spot, bought the Rift on the spot, paid it off later, but I just had to have it. Like I felt like I really just need this thing in my life. And so um, I bought my son's gaming computer because he had gotten a computer at that point, built it himself, and I went home. Well, this is important to this part of the story, especially with Virtual World Society and what I do with AWE. This is where it starts to get like really, really relevant to the work I do. So I went home. And sat down and started playing. Well, the game that I played was Robo Recall because that's what I tried out. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. So I went home, and started playing it. And um, now I remember I was had had all those health problems, so I couldn't really stand up for long periods of time. So I played in a chair. Well, I sat there from the middle of April 2017 until May, and the middle of May toward the end of May, and I played Robo Recall every day every day for hours a day and I started losing weight and I was moving a lot more than I normally would have and I also kind of I'm a little competitive and so um I worked every day to get the highest score in every category for every single skill you could have a you know a a ranking on so that I had the top rank in every one of them (laughs) so
0: I'm I'm sure (laughs) I'm just realizing that I think you were the one who were beating me in all the rankings because I was playing robo recall at the same time I could never get that high up that's amazing
1: yeah. So I I made it my goal every day to get um to get a top score or keep a top score. And it just became like a little mission, which is really sounds ridiculous. But at the time, you know, people have to remember I had been so sick and I just um I'd raised my kids. They were almost all grown. grown. They were leaving home. My husband really absolutely paid no attention to me. He didn't care what I did here or there. And it was one of those things where I just needed something. And so um, I started doing that. Well, then finally, at the end of May, my family, I think, got tired of seeing Robo Recall on the screen every day. So they were like, why don't you try a different game? Why don't you try this thing called Echo Arena? It's in beta. And I was like, no, nope, I don't want to do anything else. I like killing the robots. It's all good. And they were like, no, you might try it. Well, it's multiplayer. And they said it's multiplayer. And I'm like, wow, that doesn't appeal to me at all. That means there are going to be other people in there. So I don't want to do that. And eventually they talked me into it. And I still remember like I went into this lobby, this bet. I went into the beta, went to the lobby and there are people there just talking and hanging out. And I was a robot and they were robots. And I loved that because I like robots. (laughs) And um, So we were all floating around in this virtual environment. And um, I'll just zoom ahead and tell you, I ended up falling in love with the game and um, playing it. A lot when I do something I'm very very passionate about it I'm a good multitasker but whenever I'm focused on a project I like to do the very best I can at that project and so I threw myself 100% into Echo the community the playing everything and then about a month later Oculus and um Meta basically, Oculus announced with Intel and ESL, eSports League, that they were doing a um, VR league. It's called VR Challenger League at that point. Well, I am really good at Echo. And so my team, I had formed a team with a couple of friends of mine, and we qualified to compete at Oculus Connect 4 in California. And so I was telling all my friends, like, you know, I'm playing this game in virtual reality and I'm going to fly to California. Now I also did not fly. I hated flying. And um, I was like, I'm going to fly to California and play a video game. And they're like, Oh my gosh, you met people on the internet. You're going to California. You're going to get murdered. And so, (laughs) which sounds terrible, but if you, if you've ever lived in the South and you, uh, you know, people who know different people from different regions, like there are all these stereotypes and, it kind of is probably a general idea that if you're meeting people on the internet and you go somewhere to meet them in person, maybe it's not the safest thing. (laughs) Right. But when it comes to virtual reality, I told them, I said, I know these people better than I know you. I spend hours every day talking to these people. I see their body language. We interact, we play together. We're friends. I'm like, these are my friends. So I flew out to California competed and, um, they invited me on stage to tell a little bit of my story, which I did. And um, so that was very cool. But this is um, whenever I got ready to go out there, they said, you know, he might need anything. And I said, well, I just need my chair. And now bear in mind, initially, when I started meeting people in this multiplayer game, I didn't realize that they thought I was a young boy until later. <laughs> right and because later we started talking and they would say things to me sometimes and I was like this is weird you know like they're referring to me like I'm a kid didn't think much about it until they finally talked me into joining discord so I joined discord which is you know a gaming online gaming platform where we talk and stuff chat and I have my profile picture on there because of course I use my real name for everything my profile picture because I'm Older, And I have no sense of what you're supposed to do nowadays or not supposed to do online. (laughs) And so, um, so they were like, who is that person? And I'm like, that's me. And, and they're like, aren't you a little boy? And I'm like, no, I'm not a little boy. I'm a woman. (laughs) <laughs> and so in the game, they would, I would hear that all the time. And I am like, I'm like a grown woman, a fully grown woman. <laughs> and, so, and it was just funny because that was the first thing that made me kind of think, wow, this is a little different. Like I never thought about people not knowing who you are or what you are, that sort of thing. And then the next thing was when I got ready to go to compete, Oculus asked, do you need anything? And I said, yeah, I need a chair. And they're like, why do you need a chair? And I said, because I play in a chair and everybody was like, um, nobody plays VR in a chair. And I said, well, nobody told me that. And, you know, I, I didn't know that. And so I went in with no expectations of what I was supposed to do or not supposed to do. So I, um, played in a chair because I had to. So when I met all these executives and different people and developers at um, Oculus connect, I told them, I said, you know, the thing is you create things when you create these amazing things, you're creating them from a perspective or in a bubble that you're thinking or expecting something versus outside the bubble, which is like, I came in from outside the bubble. I had no expectations and I didn't know that you did either. And so I tell people like with A.W.E. or, you know, the same thing with the things you guys promote, you know, we want to have inclusive, diverse, accessible environments because you can't you can't expect everybody to um, conform to your expectations because the world is made up of so many amazing, diverse humans. And we have so many different types of people with different you know, we're just varied. And so when I started talking about that, I started getting all these emails from people, individuals from around the world. And at first I kind of thought I was being trolled a little bit. Because I would get things like I only have, you know, uh, one arm or I can't see and I want to do VR or I can only hear in one ear or I'm colorblind. They would say all these things. And I realized I wasn't being trolled at all. I was experiencing and meeting humans around the world who truly, sincerely wanted to experience the same thing I was talking about that was so amazing. And the problem is they couldn't, just the same way I couldn't play certain games because I was in a chair. And I would tell developers, if I reach up and you have a lever above my head, but that lever's made for a standing person at standing height, and you have no way to adjust it or for me to pull it toward myself in a ch- seat, then you've all of a sudden knocked that experience out of my my accessibility out of my experience. And so that was the sort of thing that started putting me kind of in in a a position where I could really promote and talk about inclusivity and diversity and accessibility and stuff. And so at that point, I started writing a lot for VR Fitness Insider and doing interviews, human interest features. I would write about any kinds of Companies or developers or games or apps that were, they were doing, if they were doing positive stuff or creating good things, I would write articles about that. And so. Um, I, I realize it's so hard doing these interviews because um, I could just run straight through this, but I want to stop every now and then and let you, yeah, like, so now where do you want to go with that? Because I can keep going, but I want you to have an opportunity to jump in. <laughs> it's it's
0: it's fascinating. It's a really amazing story. <laughs> and I'm so glad that so many people were inspired by your story because you're right. Virtual reality should be inclusive. It should be inclusive yeah. to people who cannot see, who only have one arm, who have to sit in a chair. And yeah. those amazing things happen. Because of people like you, so what I'm really curious about is how did this transition into your position <laughs> at AWE? Head of programming is a is a big is a big position. So I am wondering how did you meet the team? Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? Did they kind of get to know you through through you becoming more well known as a VR competitor?
1: Yeah. So kind of yes to all of that. Um, Basically, I started writing articles. I've written more articles about VR esports than anybody in the world. Um, I started also writing about VR gaming and like I said, health and fitness, that sort of stuff. I've written for, you know, upload a little bit and um, Gaming Trend Magazine, VR Fitness Insider. So my name started getting put out there some. I did still compete. And then I also... My other big thing that I do is community work. And so I was helping to basically guide the Echo community. I volunteered and helped with the players there, which I still do. And I started doing that with a lot of other communities that just wanted a positive voice in their community from the beginning. And so if developers were um, polite and respectful and came to me and asked, you know, we're interested in starting our discord, we're going to be starting a new game next year, we're in beta phase, then I would say, sure, I'd love to help you with that. I did not ask to be paid for this. I just felt like it was so important that we have these sorts of opportunities that I jump in and help. And so initially I was just doing all of that for free and um, really trying to help these companies, especially the smaller devs that were coming up. So, I developed a reputation for helping other people who needed a lift, you know, and whether that be writing articles about them or helping them with their communities or giving free consultations and stuff. Cause I did a lot of free consulting and, and I say that and point it out free because, you know, it was my choice and I want people to understand that's a valuable skill and there's nothing wrong with being paid for those sorts of things. But I, at that time had the choice to do it um, as a volunteer And so then um, in 2020, January of 2020, um, my husband and I separated (laughs) like two weeks. So we separated. My van broke. My pets died. Two weeks later, the pandemic hit. Um, It was absolutely traumatic. And um, so I was still living with him at that time. So I was in my home. My kids were almost grown. But I didn't really at that point, you have to realize I didn't have any options because I had been a stay-at-home mom for a long time. And even though I was a journalist by trade, I've written eight books. I've written thousands of articles. So I've kept up my skills professionally. But at the same time, when people look at your resume, there's a prejudice there where they want to see the titles and the big company names and all that. And so typically, if you say, well, man, I've managed a household with Sometimes, you know, a dozen kids if we we would have like foster kids even visiting if they didn't emergency care or whatever, my kids. I managed a household, I wrote articles, I wrote books, and I did all this while I was incredibly sick. So most companies and places, honestly, Max, they wouldn't they wouldn't care. They wouldn't give you the time or opportunity to say, wow, that could translate into some very usable skills for my company. And so, um, In 2020, I waited a few months, had to stay there. And then I moved because I could not stand living anymore with my ex husband, now ex husband. And um, I moved back to Chattanooga, where I'm from. But the only place I could have to live was a little dilapidated mobile home that my best friend sold me for $10,000. The place was going to be torn down, basically. And I said, you know what? I'll live there. I had no floors, I had no indoor bathrooms but I had two things. I had internet and I had electricity. And so you can see where this is going here with internet and electricity. I could still write articles and I could still play VR. That meant I could have some sort of emotional connection to people that mattered to me. I would go in sometimes and I tell you, man, I would like punch some things and do some violent stuff and in games that I could do that because I was so, it was literally the most stressful time in my life. I was so angry at the situation. I didn't know what I was going to do for my future. I had no job. I didn't want anything from my ex-husband. I walked away from everything, my home and everything. My kids were grown at that point. And, you know, I just, just um, needed to find myself. And so I started playing VR more and just really continuing to do the community work because that was the one thing that I could hold on to that I felt good about. I felt really good about helping others. And so um, I did that from the spring, summer of 2020 until um, like the next year and a half or so. And then in January, February, I guess it was of 2022, which was a year and a few months ago now, um, I also and remember, by the way, I had I had previously established myself as an expert on VR gaming and esports and health and fitness. So I had spoken quite a bit at different conferences like A.W.E. And so um, in February of 2022, Ori messaged me and he said, hey, I'd like to have a meeting with you. And I said, OK, um, I knew he was founder of A.W.E., but I didn't really particularly know what he wanted. And honestly, I didn't ask. It just didn't cross my mind. Like I, I I know that sounds weird, but it just it didn't. And so I was like, sure. Okay. I'll meet. So we met and exactly what I'm wearing now, which is my white t-shirt, which is what I wear most of the time. And um, he's like, Hey, I was just wondering if you had a job yet. I was like, no. And he said, do you want a job? And I was like, well, um, I mean, yeah, I guess I need a job, but Why? And so then eventually through this conversation, I eventually began to realize that it was kind of like a job interview. So I didn't actually apply for the job. And he called me out of the blue just based on what he had seen of my work. And so did you want to hop in there before I go on? Because I know I see your face and you're just like, wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, again, this is this is an absolutely uh, amazing story. <laughs> what I what I'm so curious about is in that first meeting with Ori, when you're mm-hmm. speaking to him and it's, it's like a job interview, it sounds like it was a little bit he he approached it kind of like it was like more like a conversation than yes. an interview. He, he kind of it sounded like he wanted to know more about you. What were some of the questions he was asking? What was he curious about?
1: Uh, he really just I think he just wanted to get a feel for my personality and how I handled things. And as you can see, even just from this interview, I mean, I'm very um, well, first of all, I'm passionate and I love what I do. Absolutely believe in what we're doing. I think it can be useful in so many ways, whether that's be entertainment or healthcare, or fitness, you know, whatever we want to use it for. I think it's there for it. Um, industry. And um, so marketing, like there's so many things. And so I think he just wanted to get a feel for my expertise outside of gaming. And was I interested in that? Also, how I would handle some of the specific problems he was asking, like, how would you handle specific problems? Um, And one thing I think he liked was he asked me, you know, what about If something seemed insurmountable or whatever, um, how would you handle that? And I'm like, well, first of all, I mean, I'm not a no person. I'm a yes kind of person. And I'm going to try to help you however I can. So if you want something and you have come to me for help with that. I'm going to try my best to make that happen. And so I take that approach with our speakers and the people I deal with with AWE. You know, if they need something, I try to help. If they want to be on the program, I can't always make that happen exactly the way they want. I try to, but... If I can't, if I can't, I look at other options. Like, can I put them on our online platform? Can I give them a track chair position? Can I offer them the opportunity to volunteer this year and maybe speak next year? So I just think that you have to think outside the box always and be willing to go the extra mile to give people joy in their lives. Like, I just want to see people have joy and and enjoy this experience and the journey as much as I do.
0: Yeah, well, first off, I want to say again that your story is so fascinating and interesting and inspirational. And second off, I'm so glad that AWE has you. You know, I'm so glad that you're head mm-hmm. of the programming because of your history and because of your background. It, it just sounds like you've always been such a natural pro- problem solver and and somebody who wants to connect with people and be with these people. And the fact you went from no technology. To virtual reality, like <laughs> VR is all the way up here. It's it's I'm going past my own camera, uh, so you can't even see. But VR is all the way up here. Like some people have a tough time understanding their phones, but VR is so advanced, so... You know, it's just it's really amazing to see people like you in this industry and everybody has a different story and your story is really inspirational, especially to to people who who want to be included and who deserve to be included because everybody deserves to be included in this industry. So I seriously want to thank you for everything that you do and what you do for A.W.E. and the virtual reality industry and. I want you to come back on after AWE this year, and I want to hear everything about it. So uh, do we want to take a a minute or two to plug AWE this year? Tickets are still available, correct?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Tickets are available. We sell tickets up to the day of the event, and um, it will be May 31st to June 2nd this year in Santa Clara, California. Um, they can go to awexr.com online to see the program. The program is almost 100% complete on there. There's still a few little things I haven't added yet and and some treats we have at the actual event that'll be cool. And um, you can see the exhibitors and the sponsors. Um, Just a shout out to the team I work with. I mean, they're absolutely fantastic. I love my job. Like Ori is a fantastic boss. I work with Andrea who runs our ops team and she works with Megan and Antigone. They all do just such an amazing job. And then we have um, Brian and Nate who work on the uh, sales side. And so... and we have a great marketing team, like it's just fantastic. I really like the people I work with and the job I do and the, the extended community, like our partners, like, you know, Virtual World Society and other partners we have out there. Because I feel like, to me, I tell people this, and I'll tell you this really quick, but basically, I almost feel like Um, One of my favorite things when my kids were young was getting ready for Christmas and preparing all the stocking stuffers, like regardless of what people think about um, gifts or whatever, I've never been really into gifts, but I like small treats, like just to make people happy. And so I like to think of AWE like that in a little bit of a way, because I try to have talks, a variety of talks that will appeal to the broadest variety of people so that when they come. They can find things they enjoy, regardless, you know, like different types of people and a diverse agenda and diversity in the program and the speakers. And so, you know, it's just my goal. And I love doing that. Like I sincerely love doing that.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that you do that. And uh, it makes so much sense that you're the head of programming. So I'm so excited. I would love to have you on if you want to come back on after AWE. And I want to hear all about it, everything that happened, all the people that you met. And uh, I think it's it's going to be a great time. So please, everybody in the industry, <laughs> if you can, Buy tickets now. AWE is the biggest XR event that we got. It is awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing everything that's, uh, that's going on. So once again, thank you for being you and what you do in this industry. And uh, thank you for your time.
1: Oh, thank you. Oh, and I probably should plug the fact that I don't know if you know who Neil Stevenson is, the father of of Metaverse. And we have Tom Furness, who's the godfather of the the VR. And, you know, of course, you know Tom very well. So we have some fantastic speakers. And I would be amiss if I didn't mention a couple of them at least. So that's great. Thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate you taking the time today to do the interview. That's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Happy to do it. Once again, it is Maxwell with the Virtual World Society next in podcast. We will see you every Friday. Thank you, everybody, for listening.